Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PersiesGrowRoom.com. In this week's interview, we have the pleasure of speaking with Madame Cannoli, who is the wife of the late Frenchie Cannoli. Frenchie Cannoli, most of you know, is the king of hash. He was one of the best hash makers in the world, and we had the pleasure of speaking to him for one of our interviews a couple of years ago. If you don't know who Frenchie is, then you can simply go to YouTube, search for Frenchie Cannoli, and you'll find all of his videos on hash making, or you can find the interview that we did with him as well in our back catalog. Just search for Frenchie Cannoli and you'll find it. He was a super cool guy and he passed too early and it was a big shock to the cannabis community. But Madame Cannoli is still keeping his memory strong amongst the cannabis community and there's a new film coming out about Frenchie very soon. There'll be a new book in about a year or so. And we have Madame Cannoli on to tell us all about the documentary that's being released and about the book and just have a general conversation about Frenchie and how much of a legend he was. So here is the interview with Madame Cannoli. There'll be more information at the end, so stay tuned for that. But for now, here is the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Roll something. If you've got hash, smoke some of that. That would be cool. And just enjoy this interview with Madame Cannoli. We'll be back in a bit. Hello. Hello, Hello Madame Cannoli. Hello. How's it going? Oh, we are good. We're very, very happy to have you here on the show. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So uh, quickly, we'll introduce ourselves so you know who you're talking to. I am Mackie, the guy with the mushroom avatar um, from That's the right. UK. And then we have Monkey. Hey, Madam Cannoli, Monkey down here in the Southeast US. How's it going? Good, good. Nice. Awesome. So you are the other one with the monkey avatar there. <laughs> I like that, actually. Yeah. Two yeah. monkeys in the room. And she was born in the year of the monkeys. So that was a pretty common thing for us to use. Cool. Cool. I remember him commenting on the monkey avatar when we interviewed him. <laughs> and I did not know why, but now I do. Man, he was such a cool guy. You know, condolence. We, we haven't spoken since uh, Frenchie passed. So, you know, we just want to offer our condolences. And Thank very you. much so. Just to say how much we all loved Frenchie very much. It was a awesome member of the cannabis community and he's sorely missed i'm sure you know i said it before he was the best friend my best friend i never met before that's what i felt like <laughs> when i first talked to him he was so warm and so open mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah such a cool guy but you've been busy trying to get this uh documentary out there to everybody right we've been working on it for five years so yeah wow. love um we've had various people take us down dead end roads that we had to circle back from. And, uh, you know, we uh, initially this, it was a seven part series. And then I showed it to a friend who was a theater um, owner in San Francisco, you know, somebody who produced uh, plays and whatnot. And he came back with 12 pages of notes for improvement. And cool. I went to the filmmaker and I was like, I think we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and this was at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, so he went away. He ended up spending the pandemic at his parents' home. And like all of us got involved in, you know, projects that you can do by yourself in solitude when you had a lot of time. 
Mm-hmm. And he took those seven individual series and turned them into a 90-minute dialogue between all these various farmers. That's just a stunning tribute to Frenchie's love for the community and the plants, and also a cautionary tale of what not to do when you're an emerging market that has up until now been existed because of the bravery of these legacy producers who had the sanity to know that this plant was a really important part of human um, existence and reality Mm -hmm. and needed to be protected and promoted. And these people risked their lives to grow quality and um, have been a great service to humanity because of that. And in California, it's been a terrible um, way to acknowledge these people by basically destroying everything that they've built over the last, you know, 60 years and multiple Mm -hmm. generations. That's right. You can't forget all of these people who were doing it when they wasn't allowed to. Yeah, no. Well, and also the people who are um, still, you know, in prisons Mm -hmm. for non-violent, non-felony cannabis crimes There's no reason if we have these um, Green Rush people with money that they are now allowed to participate in this space legally, there's no reason why those people should still be be held. So, you know, there's a lot of wrongs that need to be righted about the system. And the film is a is a bit of a commentary on that Mm -hmm. and also just a celebration of the beauty of people growing cannabis, how it's intended to be grown outdoors in the Mm -hmm. sun with a lot of love and care. Mm -hmm. As nature intended. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to get my plants back outside in the sun where they belong. That's a dream. We can dream. We can dream. Yes, we can. Like Frenchie dreams of hashish. That's the name of the documentary, right? That is the name of the documentary. It's an ode to, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the documentary film that, um, takes a look at the life of the master sushi maker Jiro in Jiro Dreams of Sushi. So he has the only um, sushi restaurant with Michelin stars. Cool. And in the film, so in the film Jiro was, I think in his eighties when they were filming it and he had been this um, hereditary sushi maker. He had learned the craft from his father and he held his, his eldest son was working with him. But they used to ask Jiro, you know, at the end of the shift, so Jiro, today, did you make the best sushi that could be made? And he would always say, it was pretty good, but we could do better. And that (laughs) was kind of Frenchy too, you know, when Mm -hmm. you would ask him about the hash. So what do you think? Is this the best hash you've ever smoked? And he'd he'd certainly say, you know, it's exceptional, it's good, but um, (laughs) as a craftsperson, I could do better. Not saying that what the farmer had given to him wasn't sufficient. But mm-hmm. that in terms of knowing the craft, refining the craft, that there was this opportunity to move it forward as we had more science and more technology, as the, as the tools that we had available to us became better and better, or people like Frenchie started you know, designing those tools mm-hmm. based on what they understood about the process. Um, and he was really clear, you know, and that was part of why he did his lost art workshops and why Bell and I are continuing to do them, awesome. that we were just shoulders that people were going to stand on, that we were here to 
give a foundation to a next generation so they wouldn't have to go back and invent the wheel so that we could make it easier for them to learn the basics and that mm -hmm. because they had learned the basics in a relatively easy way they would be inspired to you know like study more of the science learn more about the plant just interact with it in a much more visceral way so that they could move the the art forward um, you know, Frenchie spent eight years making charas in the mountains of northern India. And charas mm -hmm. is different from hashish, that when you make charas, you work with live plants and you use the palms of your hand as the tool to gently rub them over the leaf and flower matter in the plant to have the sticky resin adhere to your hands. And then you can snap the resin off because stickiness likes to stick to stickiness. Mm -hmm. um, but in doing this, I think Frenchie um, developed this like very, very deep connection with the plant because he used to say, you know, so he was up at 8,000 feet in the Himalayas, three days from the nearest village. And as you touch the plants, the terpenes that were already ripe or the, so, yeah, would, would kind of explode into the air around you. And then you would get the cannabinoids and the terpenes through your skin, you know, so you would be getting the psychoactive effect. You'd be in the sunshine mm -hmm. with the beautiful nature all around you and just have this feeling of deep, deep connection with this cannabinoid containing plant that was somehow evolved from, or it, it came first because we as humans, you know, um, in terms of evolution came after, but mm -hmm. that genius of having a plant that had a system that connected that was, you know, made or ours was made to connect to it and to be able to do that as a human being, you know, make that product that had so many health benefits. Frenchie said that he didn't believe in religion, but if there was anything that was going to make him believe in something spiritual in a higher in a higher consciousness that designed our reality, it was definitely that experience of working with the plant. Mm -hmm. So I would wish that on everybody right now, because it seems like we need to get back to a space where we remember this interconnectedness, both with the plants that we coexist with environmentally, but mm -hmm. also with our fellow humans, you know, that it feels like the dangers of this anonymity of social networking that allows people to really turn off their filters and be yeah. kind of really vicious with each other. Um, we need to, we need those filters back up and we need mm -hmm. to, we need more people working with plants. I think cannabis and other plants that has have wisdom to help us elevate our consciousness so that we just behave better on so many levels. Mm -hmm. So you have so much passion for cannabis as well, just like Frenchie did. You know, is this something you share together? For, I have passion for Frenchie's experience with it. Mm -hmm. I am unfortunately one of those people that feel anxiety when I smoke things with THC in it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't consume hardly at all, um, mm -hmm. very okay. rarely. And if I did, it would be a CBD product. Mm -hmm. But that said, I saw how beneficial it was to Frenchie and listened to him share over and over how specifically this traditional hashish was something that when he consumed it, created what he referred to as 
a sense of overall well-beingness. And I want more people to have that option because I think human life is really challenging. Mm -hmm. Human relationships are really challenging. Uh And we need things to help us buffer our rough edges so that we can maybe lower some of the, the fear that we learn from social interactions as young people from adults around us that didn't quite have the right tools to be raising children, honestly. (laughs) Um, And we can connect to those vulnerable parts of each other that are very similar and realize that it's much better when we're friends and we're compassionate and, you know, kind of give each other space than when we're judgmental and are attacking each other anonymously over the internet for nothing, basically, mm-hmm. you know. Um, See, everybody's so Fred- divided nowadays. It's, it's crazy. Well, and Frenchie felt very strongly that the plant was the key to kind of getting beyond that. And mm. I was reading one of his um, old articles this morning on the secret life of plants. And Frenchie felt very much that the plants... Um, even though they didn't move, that they were the higher intelligence, that they were the one that had directed us to move them to um, all of the locations where they could, um, you know, find life. And this, not not just cannabis, but all plants, you know, that through their smell, through their attractiveness, through their interaction with um, insects and butterflies and bees, you know, that that they really helped us as humans have the ability to exist in larger numbers because they created the opportunity for more food for us that allowed us to grow our families and our societies. Mm -hmm. And he really felt strongly that cannabis was trying to give us a chance to continue, I think, in this um, shared environment. But But the jury was basically out. Um, on whether we were going to be able to make that happen or not, because we seem so hell bent on destroying our environment and destroying each other for, mm. for kind of silly drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he really wanted people to, for people who, you know, their body had affinity with it, to have access to good quality, clean um, cannabis. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of why he had me make the videos available to everybody for free. And then after Frenchie's passing, this amazing group in Brazil reached out to me called the Overgrow um, Group. And they, oh, it's overgrow.store, I think, is right. the exact URL on um, Instagram. They asked me if they could translate the subtitles of Frenchie's video into Portuguese because Frenchie has a lot of friends in Brazil and they happened to be in the film industry. So they had the technology to match up exactly the place where the um, subtitles should be in terms of where the person is speaking on the screen. And so I said, of course, that's so kind of them to do it. And I was still maintaining Frenchie's Lost Art um, group on Facebook. So I told everybody, hey, this is so cool. This group in Portugal is going to do this. If you speak Portuguese, this is going to be available to you. Awesome. And then so suddenly I had the French come in and they were like, well, if you're going to do Portuguese, you need to do French too. And I said, well, are you going to volunteer to do the translations? And they're like, of course. Excellent. And so then suddenly, next thing I know, we've got Portuguese, 
French, Spanish, Italian, German, and English, because Frenchie needs translations in English. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so we have the do-it-yourself uh, videos available in with uh, subtitles in six languages now. Wow. That's so cool, man. And the community coming together like that to do it too. It was so heartening. It was mm. uh, really great. Yeah. And so that same group, bless their hearts, have all pitched in to do the translation of the subtitles for the film as well. So when yeah, we're able to offer the streaming in the near future, you'll have the option if your um, native language is not English and it's one of these, these largely romance languages, um, it will be available for you done in a more professional way by people in the industry who know what some of the terms should be translated as. And I want to see that on Netflix. You know, <laughs> I want to say bumped up to them levels, man. Yeah, I suppose it isn't on a big streaming service yet. No, because, you know, that was some of the twists and turns that we had was people taking us down these dead ends that were supposed to lead to a major platform that didn't get there. And so right. in his frustration towards the end, Frenchie was like, let's just do it ourselves. There are other people who have done online streaming, you know, like some comedians and whatnot themselves, mm -hmm. and they've been yeah. very successful at it. So that's what we're going to do initially. Um, and I'm really hoping that through the movie, the podcast, you know, trying to talk to various journalists and just by people like you getting, helping me get the buzz out, that we'll get a critical mass going and that, you know, that'll um, draw the attention of those people who pay attention to that kind of stuff, the bots and whatnot on the internet. Mm. And ultimately, somebody will reach out to me because that's how I ended up being contacted to do the obituary for Frenchie by the New York times, which is a pretty big thing. Wow, that's cool. um, a few days after his passing, the lead person who writes obituaries reached out to me. And initially I was like, is this some kind of weird prank? And he said, no. And I said, well, how did you hear about me? And he said, well, his passing created quite a buzz in social media which was true. I had a tremendous, there were over 330,000 people who looked at the message that I put out. Right. And um, he said, so I said, well, but why, you know, my husband, he said, well, I choose the person who seems to have led the most interesting life in that week that I wished I would have had the opportunity to speak with while they were still here so that mm -hmm. I can investigate their life a bit more, which I thought was, you know, that's okay. That's legit. And so, yeah, I ended up talking to him so he could do the, he could do a little write up and let people outside wow. of the cannabis industry know about the good work that Frenchie was doing, that Frenchie did. Mm -hmm. yeah. And continues to do through you, you know, there's still yeah. lots of good work being done out there. By Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Monkey, was you saying something? No, I actually wasn't. But I tell you what, though, if it wouldn't have been for Frenchie Cannoli, I would have never, ever attempted to make my own bubble hash. I mean, mm -hmm. the man, everybody knows Frenchie. If, if, if you go into any cannabis circle and say Frenchie Cannoli, everybody says, oh, hash, no problem. Yeah. yeah. The king yeah. of hash. The king of hash. <laughs> But it was an interesting, my first experience using his videos and his tutorial, it was a very interesting experience, but it worked. My gosh, I felt like I, I did something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I, 
think there's still people out there um, that don't know what hashish is. You know, I think especially here, largely in North America, less in Europe, because you have the ability of people to travel over land to go back and forth to mm -hmm. hash producing countries. Yeah. So that to Morocco. Get yeah. Well, or hash. even if you wanted to, you can walk to Turkey or Lebanon or, you know, if you have mm -hmm. the time and the courage um, or all the way to Afghanistan, for that matter, back in the day. So, mm -hmm. you know, there were way, there were easier ways for the product to get to the European market and just the culture was there. But North America has been a little bit like an island in the U.S. and Canada, especially after the 1980s when the DEA was so successful in putting so many of the Brotherhood of Eternal Love and other big um, people that had been bringing larger quantities to the US in the 60s, you know, that pipeline was successfully cut off. And then I think with the just say no, um, Nancy fucking Reagan, as we call her here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, how effective that was, we had whole generations of people who didn't know to a large degree what any type of cannabis product was, but especially the concentrates. People were aware of the flower more because um, I think up north, you know, they, they grew flower. And so this is what was locally available and that affinity kind of existed. Um, which is not, you know, a negative thing at all. Frenchie used to say that, you know, there should be different products for different needs. Mm -hmm. But I think in this time frame, for a lot of people, hashish is a very convenient form of consumption. And for people who have an endocannabinoid system that responds well to THC and the other cannabinoids and the terpenes, um, hashish is a just really comfortable way um, to consume and experience cannabis. Mm -hmm. um, so I would like more people to have access to quality hashish. The challenge is that on a commercial level as a manufacturer, it's not as profitable to produce as oils and yeah. other um, cannabis concentrates. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're really promoting this idea of self-sufficiency you know, if you get a little mini washer and you grow your six to 12 or whatever your state's local legal limit is, you can process those plants similarly to, I don't know, like making a batch of tomato sauce or, or mm -hmm. canning, you know, jams and stuff. It's not that mm -hmm. much more complicated. Mm -hmm. And if you dry it correctly, it's shelf stable for a long, long time. Frenchie smoked 12 year old hash uh, and- 12 year old um, Charas. So wow. um, yeah, we've just really through the film want people to appreciate that cannabis should be normalized, that these farmers are, you know, doing kind of a heroic thing for the community to a degree and that everybody should learn to make their own hash because it's not that challenging and it's a great medicine. Um, one of the big secrets I think therapeutically for older people is how much that well-beingness extends to you know like your joints and whatnot Frenchie used to eat very small balls of um, hashish in the morning with his coffee because he had arthritis kind of mm -hmm. throughout his body and um, he said you know it just made it so that he could move his move his hands and the rest of his bones more flexibly as he you know was aging mm -hmm. um, and feel more comfortably all day long because it didn't make him um, high, you know, 
kind of from a head zone so much as it just created comfort in the body. I think that's the beauty with cannabinoids as a kind of pain relief situation. It's not directly acting on the receptors that like negate the pain, but it's reacting in a way that you're not as aware of the pain. Um, mm -hmm. So, and being very non, you know, it's not addictive and doesn't have some of the other downsides of traditional pain relief medications. So it's Absolutely. a thing that I think more people should be aware of as you're aging. Mm -hmm. You use uh, cannabis for some arthritis pain, don't you, monkey? Yeah. Joint pain, I, at least. I, I do, and I use edibles for it. Um, I don't eat hash, so to speak, but I do actually use this infused oils and whatnot like that. And the pain relief from arthritis, joint pains, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Frenchie. It makes, it makes my day more normal. Mm -hmm. It's a good way to put it. You yeah, know? I mean, if you... No, if you learn to, Frenchie used to stay, start out with the size of a rice grain mm -hmm. to figure out what your amount is. We're not talking about getting in any way incapacitated or very, very <laughs> stoned to the point where you don't feel like being active. Mm -hmm. You, If you really figure out that dose, because on top of it, when you ingest it as an edible, it's being processed by your liver. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's a totally different way for your body to assimilate it and for you to feel it as well. Mm -hmm. um, so figuring out what that, that amount is. I know a lot of people also get great relief from topical creams that have been infused with good quality um, hashish, uh -huh. um, other concentrates. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of options out there for people to explore to have this plant you know, kind of share the benefits that we just have co-evolved with over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, lately I've actually been going into using a salve made from the roots of the cannabis plant. It has some, some great anti-inflammatory properties. Uh, just amazing relief, beautiful stuff. No way. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought it? I was throwing these things away for, for a long time. I was composting my roots and I had medicine. I didn't know it. Well, when Frenchie first came to the Emerald Triangle, they were throwing their trim away. <laughs> <laughs> scoop, scoop. Uh, you know what? Guilty as charge. I used to do that when I first started growing. I had no need for it. So I was actually composting my yeah, trim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or feeding it to their their livestock. Uh, uh -huh. And he was, yeah, I remember uh, him uh, showing some of the farmers, you know, the process because he used to drag the little mini washer and then later his 15 gallon um stainless steel machine <laughs> you know to start up small when you're introducing the farmers i just take the little washing machine a little five gallon job right here that's all right <laughs> yeah yeah no we have um some great shots of him uh doing a little mini workshop um on the lost coast just using the small machine and you know kind of uh letting people see how easy it is and then um there's some there's a full moon session where he visits Mendel Dope's farm and they do, um, they wash live material there under the full moon. And that's pretty cool. special because, you know, the plant kind of shuts down its 
um, terpene, um, how the terpenes are released at, at night when they're mm. not, when they're not used because there's not predators and the same kind of challenges of the daytime. Right. And so when you collect it at the nighttime like that, you're really getting a maximum amount into the concentrate that that you're sieving. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful experience for people to have that under the harvest moon, you know, mm -hmm. um, kind of processing your your plants That's like cool, that. Man. That's cool, um, man. so cool. Yeah. Is, for, is there anything about that in the documentary? Can people see some of that in the film? Um, they actually show how Frenchie and Mendo did that that one year. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So we're taking the road show. My next stop is New York on Thursday, September 8th. We're going to be at the Angelica Film Center there, showing it in the evening from 7 p.m. to 10. After the film, we're going to do a um, producer's Q&A. And we have one of the local New Jersey cannabis activists and educators, Joshua Alb, is going to moderate the discussion. And then we have the filmmaker, Jake Remington, who now lives in Italy. He's flying in from Italy to participate. Awesome. And part of the proceeds of our film is going to the Origins Council, which is a nonprofit that works with over 900 legacy farms and small businesses in California. And within that group, there's a group that's specifically on the lost coast of Humboldt called the Lost Coast Farmers Guild. And these are some of the farmers that are actually featured in the film that Frenchie worked with. Awesome. And so um, the proceeds that we're donating to the Origins Council will be used on some studies that the Lost Coast Farmers Guild are doing on cannabis terroir. And this was something that Frenchie originally talked to them about and encouraged these farmers to really um, kind of develop and acknowledge that cannabis grown in certain areas of Humboldt or certain areas of mm -hmm. Mendo had a very distinct taste of a place, which is a loose translation of what terroir means on, on one level. And uh, so, yeah, we're really excited that um, some of the proceeds from the ticket sales are going to support this group and uh, to support the Origins Council. And the executive director of the Origins Council, Janine Coleman, will also be with us in New York. So that should be a really special screening. Wow. So you're going from California all the way over to New York. Yeah, we're going to New York. And then after New York, we're actually going to Canada, up to the Niagara Falls. It'll be on nice. the Canadian side. There's a conference there in Canada that's very popular, a lovely conference called the Grow Up Conference. And this is a conference that unites the growers and the retailers directly um, so that they can have a conf uh, kind of uh, platform to talk with each other and learn about what each other are doing. There's beautiful, um, you know, outdoor sun grown, um, sustainable uh, network of cannabis growers throughout uh, Canada. So really excited that they've decided to host the film at that conference center, they have a theater that can seat a thousand people. So potentially a thousand people are going to see the film. Awesome. And you don't have to be a ticket. You don't have to buy a ticket to the full conference to attend. You can get a ticket just for the film. Wow. Um, so we're hoping that a lot of people will join us. The conference is also having a um, 
VIP consumption lounge outside <laughs> after. So we're going to be setting up the hookah. We got our friends who are hash makers in Canada that are going to be bringing the fire and we're going to be smoking <laughs> one in Frenchie's honor or two or three or four. Smoking Big some fire. temple balls. Yeah. Nice. yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then on the final leg of this part of the road show that I've got scheduled so far, We'll be going to Chicago where Frenchie's Apprentice Bell is going to be joining me. That's going to be on Friday, September 23rd. And that location is actually a drive-in. We've hooked up to be able to show it in a drive-in. And even better, (laughs) this drive-in has, um, it's connected to a taqueria. So a traditional place that makes Mexican tacos and other uh, Mexican food. And so we're going to be able to, as we enter the drive-in, order our tacos and milkshakes, and then they're going to bring them and deliver them to the car directly <laughs> while awesome. we're all hotboxing the cars and watching Frenchie <laughs> Green. <laughs> Delivering the, the munchies. The I love it. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that um, a lot of people can join us then. The tickets for the event in Chicago are based on your car, not on the number of people in it. So go ahead and put your friends in your trunk and just <laughs> bring some lawn chairs because they're allowed to sit on their lawn chairs next to the car. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have an amazing time. And yeah, then that's the so next cool. day after that, Bill and I are going to do a workshop in Chicago to uh, Teach everybody how to make some Frenchy cannoli style hash. Awesome. And is there anywhere else where it's showing after that? You got New York and uh, so Chicago, is it? At some point, you know, we're going to make the streaming available. We have to calculate mm. that. Right now, we're looking into a couple of film festivals that we want might want the, sh- the film to be shown in well, that require sure, yeah. that you don't have it streaming yet. So we're figuring that out. But the other thing that I really uh, want to do is I want to bring it to Europe around the time of Spanibus. So I might try and hook up the same situation where I rent the theater and have a private screening, you know, um, around the time, one of the evenings before, during, whatever, around the time of cannabis. And then Belle and I have been invited to do a workshop at a facility in Italy. Um, There you can do product that's very low THC so we'll actually be working with hemp but it doesn't matter what you use the process is the same Um, so potentially I'll arrange to show it in Italy and then we've also had invitations to come to Switzerland Luxembourg and Holland Amsterdam so I think there's a good possibility in the spring that I'll do a little European road show and kind of hop around Europe for what a couple if I see of that happening in Amsterdam, I might have to go and take a visit. <laughs> I was thinking about London, as long as I'm not promoting smoking, I don't think there's any reason why I couldn't show it in London or, you know, you see, but uh, being in the UK, you know, that that's where I am right now. It's yeah. like, I would rather go to Amsterdam to see it than go to London because then I can freely enjoy some cannabis. While <laughs> Okay, well, but I have to tell you, so the interesting thing that kind of blew my mind away. So after that um, person from the New York Times contacted me to do the obituary on Frenchie mm-hmm. and they published it, a couple of days later, somebody from the Economist magazine, I mean, newspaper in England contacted wow. me 
saying that they had written one just based on their own research. And would I provide some photos to them for their publication? And I said, of course. And they wrote a totally lovely, very cannabis positive um, write-up on Frenchie's life, which in a way gave me so much hope for England because I was feeling if a paper that's kind of perceived to be very traditional, like The Economist, mm -hmm. is willing to glorify and celebrate the life of a hash maker, then somewhere there has to be among the powers that be some kind of intelligence and a bunch of people smoking behind the scenes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, the, the French, he just reached out to, he had he had a way of presenting all this. He's like Carl Sagan, you know, with mm -hmm. science. It's Frenchie yeah. with hash. It was just a particular way that they presented it that was different to most people. Yeah, he made me actually believe I could do this. Mm -hmm. you know, he, he had he a special it, touch for that. Approachable, yeah. that's a good way to put it. You know, It was very approachable, yeah. yeah. Well, he sincerely loved people, and he sincerely loved people for what they were sharing with him and not what their status in society was. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said oh I met your husband once we were at such and such a conference and he and I were out back behind the dumpster smoking <laughs> and talking about you know ancient history for three hours while all of the VIPs were inside or whatever and I was like yeah that sounds like Frenchie for yeah. sure <laughs> it's the same with us you know he could have been on any podcast but way back in the day he joined us early on in high on homegrown's history we just a small little podcast yeah. he didn't care he was still wanting to come along and chat with us for a couple of hours yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. yeah. yeah wonderful guy yeah what a legend and it was he writing a book as well when he passed did you because i remember he was saying on yeah. the second iteration of you know going over the drafts i think that was my biggest sense of weight it, Frenchie's passing. I. Mm. It's odd, you know, when you go through a shock of something unexpected like that. And mm. my first kind of my first really strong feeling was like I, I had this image of holding a bunch of manuscripts, stand, standing outside the library, the historical library of Alexandria while it was on fire. You know, mm. there's this story that says there was this library in Alexandria at one point that contained the wealth of all human knowledge mm -hmm. um, and that it burned um, during some conflict and that so much of humanity's intelligence was lost during that fire. Mm -hmm. And I felt similarly like I had, because I had been helping Frenchie with, you know, the proofreading and asking questions and I still had so many more questions. And every time I would ask him a question, he would elaborate and I would just be like blown away by mm -hmm. the additional information that he gave me. I just felt such a blow that I would not have him live to continue to answer my questions. Yeah. Um, the good news is there's a lot of recordings, like there's your recordings. There's so many, he's written so much, you know, and I've been going back and looking over some of that. And so I just need to get through you know, getting this film to where it needs to be so I can sit down and more thoughtfully continue those those edits so that I can try to publish something that would have been, you know, to the level that uh, Frenchie aspired to. Mm -hmm. But yes, there's definitely a book, a great deal of it is 
just his invest investigations into the ancient history and origins of cannabis and kind of geeking out on how cool that was. And then there's a huge part on um, do-it-yourself hash making. So it's a little bit this combination of uh, Frenchie's love for ancient history and thinking about the plant and then um, a little bit of, okay, here's your manual, go and make your own. Now that you've, mm -hmm. that you've become super interested in this plant through reading about it in the history and our deep connection together, I know you want to make some, so here's how you do it. So cool. Sounds like an awesome book already. Yeah, he did a good job. Although Frenchie, you know, it's one of those things that like, when you've been working with something for a long time, you don't realize that you're vibrating at 80,000 feet and that the you know, the novice person like myself mm. is down here on the ground going, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I got what you said because you yeah, left right. out a few details. What do you mean? What's uh, a terpene? You know? <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's that was a lot of where I would go back and say, Frenchie, but do you mind if I put a little bit of an explanation in here? And how would you say it if you were going to say it? And then he would talk for 15 minutes and my brain would just explode <laughs> because it's just... Like, so amazing. Um, yeah, his connection with the plant was so profound and so loving. Mm -hmm. it, you know, that mutual uh, love affair with the plant was just a, a beauty to behold. Um, mm -hmm. To share with others, you know, and then to connect with others who also had that, that love affair going on. And just to realize that kind of interconnectedness of people wanting to live a very authentic life that wasn't based on a social structure that had you doing a job that you hated for 40 years so that you ended up hating the person you were living with while you were doing it and make children that you had created together as well um, to be more true to your happiness. You know, Frenchie always said the first time that he smoked, it took him back to the last time in his childhood when he remembered being really free and happy. Mm -hmm. And I wish that for everybody, that everybody who smoked could tap into their original childhood potential of whatever life is calling for them and just feel real confident in that. And know that maybe you're not gonna be a millionaire or the next social media star or whatever, but you're gonna live a life of such joy and self-actualization and because you're so happy people are going to be happy to know you and to be your friend and you're going to create these networks of super happy you know kind of very focused people on what it is they've been called to do mm -hmm. i help, can't help but feeling if we did that we could create communities of interconnected supportiveness that would just be really beneficial to humanity as a whole right now yeah, especially right now. Everybody just needs more hash. That's what <laughs> <laughs> well, more hash, but more hash that we smoke together. So we realize how much nicer it is to love each other than it is to say nasty mm -hmm. things about each other on social media. Yeah. We have far more things in common than we disagree, you know. It's and I think concentrate on that a little more. Yeah, honestly, that social media noise is such a small part of human communication. Unfortunately, it gets more attention mm -hmm. uh, because when we're out in society and we are smoking together or we're connecting together, we just realize there's so many opportunities to meet 
amazing people everywhere. Mm. And to have these short interactions that just make us really profoundly happy to be human and to have the ability to communicate and to recognize each other and acknowledge each other. And I think cannabis is trying to help us do that better. You know, maybe try to take some down, down some of those barriers to connection. Mm-hmm. You definitely feel more, you feel more confident talking to people when you're both smoking a spliff together. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think it's a lovely thing about like, I have so many good memories of being in the social clubs in Barcelona and very slowly getting very high. <laughs> and at some point having to go outside because getting too high. But um, just, yeah, meeting, meeting like-minded people um, in those social settings is, is such a pleasure, such a comfort. And then mm-hmm. to, uh, to have cool projects that you end up doing together. You know, how many times you meet people that you end up creating some piece of art or whatever inspired by your interactions and uh that's been a beautiful thing too yes ma'am inspirational you know everything seems like it's going well for you and that's it's good to hear you know because you've you had a really bad year you know a lot of uh bad shit happened there but it seems like everything's coming together nicely and you're carrying the torch for frenchie so well getting the movie out there and putting the book back together still doing classes that's awesome to hear man Yeah, no, I also hope, um, so we created with a friend who's been helping me with all of this, um, the Frenchie Cannoli Foundation, you know, so part of that is going to be support to support those studies on terroir, but I also want to continue the aging studies that we've been doing with High North Labs in Canada on aging hashish so that we have more mm. documentation about what's really happening and is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? What's the best way to do it? Because Frenchie was convinced it was a good thing, that it was another way to experience um, you know, kind of evolution in the flavor of a product similar to wine or certain alcohols that when you age them, there's a a maturity, a subtle, you know, improvement in the Mm -hmm. situation. So I want to continue those investigations. And so we're thinking about part of a way to fund that is to have what we're currently calling the Frenchie Fest, to have some kind of um, music type event where we can all get together and dance because Frenchie loved to dance. He loved the Goa years when he would, you know, spend the winters on the beach down there and go to all the parties. And um, yeah, so I hope to be able to pull that off maybe next year. But for the Sweet. meantime, yeah, just really focusing on the film and wanting as many people to see it and reconnect and um, just enjoying meeting you know frenchie's uh frenchie's friends a little bit all over the place so how many showings are there of the movie in the u.s six or something was so there will be with canada six i think it is yeah so we did two in san francisco one in los angeles the one in new york is on september 8th the one in niagara canada is on september 11th and then chicago is september 23rd Sweet. And where, where can people find out? Like, there's a website they can go to to see these dates and so, buy tickets from there. 
I actually have just finished the standalone Frenchy Dreams of Hashish.com website. Nice. And yeah, so all the ticket information is on there. There's a letter from the filmmaker. There's information about the sponsors of our event. Um, there's some clips from the event. There's some clips from the film, all kinds of content related to the film available on www.frenchydreamsofhashish.com. Awesome. So that's where you can find it, everybody. Head over there. And how long do you think it's going to be until the book is done? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. I, no pressure. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, it's really hard for me to say. Mm. Um, but give me maximum a year, I think. I hope to have it out like the end of next year, early the year after. Um, Frenchy, there's a huge amount of documentation around all these agri uh, uh, architectural sites that he um, looked into to support his um, theory um, on some of the ancient history. So I'm assuming this is going to take me a little while to make sure that yeah. you know, I have all the references correct. Mm -hmm. And then I was in the process of putting together a bunch of different visuals um, for Frenchie for the book with, with regards to some of the history. Um, I, we have a good shell, but I do need to, to go over it. And I, I think I just need to get beyond the, the film. It's astoundingly time consuming oh, to sure. do a right no shell. Um, you know, because part of this also has involved the generosity of sponsors who, mm. because we've been doing pre-events or post-events after in each location. So I've had, you know, wonderful sponsors come in and provide the funds to be able to make all this happen. Um, but yeah, just, it all takes a lot more time than I could have imagined. And it's through the you know, help of people such as yourself to get the word out about the film so people are aware that tickets are available and the dates um, so that they can come and join us and, uh, you know, enjoy this kind of Frenchy experience, um, which everybody seems to be loving. I think all people have to see is Frenchy's passion for it. And it doesn't matter what it is. If somebody has passion like that for something, you will watch them. You know, if it's fixing cars, if it's building tree houses, if it's making hash, you know, anything like that, if somebody has passion for it, you'll watch it and enjoy it. And I think everybody's going to love this movie. Documentary on the octopus on Netflix. <laughs> Amazing documentary of this guy's, this guy was a photographer and he ended up, and he was also a, a swimmer in the ocean, you know, a scuba diver. And right. he ended up having this relationship with an octopus. If you haven't seen <laughs> it, you have to, I mean, that's the kind of thing like you're just talking about. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't do scuba diving and I'm not a photographer and, you know, octopus, I'm kind of like, yeah, you're pretty, but don't touch me. Um, mm -hmm. but this documentary wants, makes you want to become a scuba diver and have a relationship <laughs> with octopus. And it's the most beautiful story. And even grown, the toughest grown men will cry at the end. I promise you. Oh no. Um, so, I can't so watch I, movies like that. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, it's a beautiful thing. You should check mm -hmm. it out because it just is like, it's one of those things again of, well, it's kind of a healing story for this guy to get back into scuba diving and to his photography and to just witnessing 
the interconnectedness of this marine life. Um, and um, yeah, I think like you were saying, when somebody has a strong passion for something, even if you don't do it, like there's similar films about mountain climbing like that, where I yeah. watch them and I feel just entranced, but there's no way in hell you would get me on an icy mountain without, <laughs> without security. Yep backup climbing up you know raw edges with little exactly the same for me so it's good on tv i'll watch it on tv I'm just fine with that i don't but want I'm to totally, jump out no planes or climb no mountains but i'm enamored <laughs> of that kind of dedication to a calling and mm. i think that's why people are also so interested in you know frenchie's life and what he was doing because he had that kind of passion mm -hmm. uh, so yeah it's a good thing yeah, we love to have him in on him on the show. It's a great interview. Just so much passion for hash, man. And it just makes you have more passion for hash. It's true. And, and this is why he's the king. This is why he's the king of hash. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for having me on the show today. Oh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming to join us. Care about the film. And mm -hmm. yeah, I hope everybody will, uh, will be able to see it in one form or another very soon. Awesome. There's also a page on the website um, on the bottom um, for streaming. If you want me to alert you when the streaming is available. Yes, please. Uh, put your name there and I'll have a little list and I'll just use it to let you know via your email when um, the streaming is, uh, is available. So cool. So you have a mailing list over there as well. So that's kind of what that means, you know. Um, it's a way for me to communicate updates to people about the streaming and, uh, um, yeah, just information about the film. Uh, because, of course, I'm going to post about it on social media, but given how social media works these mm -hmm. days, uh, depending on what mood um, the powers are. Yeah. You know, they, Did they she gonna... say hash? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it was so funny. You're laughing, but when I put out, I I put out a press release on the initial film, and I could say cannabis in the press release, but I couldn't say hashish. And wow. so part of me was like, "Well, I'm screwed because the title <laughs> of my film is Frenchy Dreams of Hashish." So I just had to say in the press release the film title was Frenchy Dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that, that kind of stupidity is ongoing. And yep. I think it's having people see, you know, the, a film like this that will help us move the needle a little bit to realizing that they don't need to be afraid um, that if they can have legal alcohol consumption by adults or legal cigarette consumption by adults or even legal sugar consumption by adults. Oh, yeah. We should be able to have legal cannabis consumption. Sure. Anyway, anyway, Madame Cannoli, we should let you go because I'm sure you have lots and lots to do. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, um, no, thank you very much. Yeah. You both, and I'll keep you posted about the film when it's available for streaming. So that yeah, uh, please. Well, I yeah. hope you join us in Amsterdam. There will definitely oh. be a good uh, a good party before or after. Yeah. That. <laughs> I don't think I can turn down an opportunity like that. That would be an Amsterdam so party with hash. Ooh. I mean, I'll go there, get some of that, that Moroccan lemon haze hash. Mm -hmm. oh, You've yeah. got the menu out. Oh, yeah, I'm there, man. bro. I'm there. I'm there in my mind and spirit right now. I mean, I mean, but epic, man. Yeah, thank you. So just keep us updated. Any, anything you want to get out there to people, we're happy to mention it on the news every week. So if you have any updates which you'd like to get out there to people, let us know and we'll shout it out on the show as well. 
Sounds great. Thank you both yeah. so much. Thank you very much, Madam Canoli. You have a great week. We'll speak it soon. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. As always. Yes. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Everybody waving. There we go. Waving out. That was cool. I like yes, I like I like Madame Canola. She's cool. There we go, everybody. That was the interview with Madame Canoli. If you need to find out more about Frenchie, again, you can just use Google or YouTube and search for Frenchie Canoli. You'll find all of his videos, loads of information about how he made hash and how much of a legend he was. And of course, we also have the interview on our YouTube channel, which was uh, like an hour and a half long of an interview with Frenchie Canoli, which was absolutely fucking awesome. You know, though Frenchie is gone, his memory is living on in the cannabis community because of Madame Cannoli and his friends keeping his memory alive by doing these things and making the film, releasing the book, doing all these cool things, man. So thank you to Madame Cannoli for coming to join us. It was a massive pleasure. I hope we can do it again soon. And thank you to you guys for downloading and listening to the show. It would be great if you could share the show with people who you think might find the information in this interview interesting or useful. And if you are close to somewhere where the film is being screened, then go out and see it and let us know what you think of the movie. That would be cool. But for now, that's it for the interview. And we'll catch you on Friday for the Grow Guides, which is a special listener question and answer session with Steve Reisner from Potent Ponics. So we'll see you on Friday. Thanks again, everybody. Have a good week. I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.